The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. off we just had Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls which actually was a song I'd never heard before but was fairly horrified by. How did you feel Catherine? It's a classic. So of course you're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM and today we're talking about vaginas or should I say vulvas or should I say vulvae? Vulvae? Vulvae. I think it looks like vulvae. Vulvae. Um, I'm Emma Grenfeld and this is Catherine Johnston. So yeah vaginas or vulvas or vulvae. Well I did a couple of online quizzes today actually and my average score was about 10 out of 12. I think that's not too bad. <laughs> quizzes about what? Um, just like different body parts. Um, ah, like you know, the anatomy, anatomy quiz. Yeah. The anatomy of Although, the female genitalia. Actually on one of these like WebMD um, quizzes was like the term VJJ originated in which American series? I mean, that's not clearly not a serious no, question. No, and I got that one wrong, but I, I don't think it should be held <laughs> against me. Um, but yeah, so I think it's kind of interesting because I think that like people quite often just call it a vagina when they're talking about the vulva, which I'm understanding to mean the whole thing, right? So like vagina, labia minora, medulla, clitoris, no, the vulva throws, right? doesn't include the vagina. Yes, it does. No, the vulva is just the out the external. Yeah, bit. but the vaginal opening then well, that is included. No, that's your vaginal canal. I, you know, <laughs> I have to say that I did some research before. <laughs> before, so I maybe you, you need to go you back to Wikipedia. Is, is that why you got your eight out of ten? Maybe well, I'm totally wrong then. But I really thought that the vulva was just the external. It's everything, stuff. which I think you know. Like, I guess, what do you mean by external? I'd say like, you can see the whole. Okay, yeah, so it's the opening. opening, But I think it's, so yeah, I mean, even in the studio, we've got a lot of confusion as to what I know, and I did so much reading for this topic. You can't can't believe it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it is kind of interesting that people quite often, like women and men will just say vagina to refer to like the whole thing. Um, Maybe it's kind of, there are implications that it's the most important part to some people. Yeah. Maybe that's something to do with sex or babies coming out. Yeah, I think think? so. I think that, um, you know, people, it's a bit of a taboo to talk about, you know, all of your bodily functions. um, And people don't really necessarily like to talk about how the vagina is like a self-cleaning organ and you have discharge all the time. I think people see lubrication as being explicitly linked to sex and that, yeah, the vagina has a sexual purpose and then a birthing purpose and actually you know it's always there it's always kind of doing stuff um by talking about the vulva you're you know you're talking about things that are very intimate um but don't necessarily you know they don't just have a sexual function and I think people find that a bit alarming well because you're missing out like quite a lot of the good stuff like you know clitoris. that's a major important thing there um yeah also there was a nice quote from Dr. Mithu Sanyal, who wrote the book Vulva, and she said, language is connected to our perception of the world. What we can't name, we can't talk about, and ultimately can't think about. So I guess she's saying, like, if we're ignoring all those good bits and just talking about the vagina, we're maybe just focusing on, you know, certain people's pleasure. Yeah, it's very phallocentric yeah. um, way of looking at it. And obviously, um, 
in the past, it's only relatively recently that the kind of medical world has acknowledged that um, orgasms are kind of, for most people at least, um, come from the clitoris and not that many women necessarily have um, orgasms through vaginal penetration alone. Yeah, Masters and Johnson, big orgasm study. Yeah. Um, we're gonna, so talking of vaginas, vulva, confusion, we've got a little quote from Leonore out in Papua New Guinea. I only recently found out that what I thought was a vagina was in fact a vulva. We might have touched on that already. Um, also, I hate the word vagina. So it came as a nice surprise that actually it's not called that. And I know that Emma hates it when I call it a pee-pee. So I'll say it again, pee-pee. Uh, the thing I hate most about it is that sometimes I get thrush. I think that's all I have to say. So that was all that he had to say um, about her vagina and it's, and her vulva, I guess. Um, yeah, and it's sad when she said she hates the word vagina. I mean, I guess a lot of people have. But why does she have a negative connotation with that word? That seems a shame to me. I think people like do have um, negative connotations about words when they, they're used in like a medical sense and maybe that's when they're first embarrassed by it. So at school, it feels like some much older teacher is lecturing you about stuff and it's not very sexy and vagina is like a serious word that maybe your parents would use as well during a sex chat but I you know I think that it's really important that you do use the right terminology because as we're discovering right this evening if you don't have the right terminology then you can't talk about things either you know what if you did have a problem and you wanted to go to the doctor you can't be going to the doctor trying to explain that you've got a problem with your pp well, exactly. So I think maybe we should start off by talking um, when we've kind of figured out what bits we're talking about. What is our favorite word for those bits? And maybe what do we call them <laughs> as children? Because I kind of always think of this in a kind of embarrassed way that actually my mum referred to them, refers to it, I don't know, them, it, the whole All ensemble, um, <laughs> as like naughty bits, which actually oh, is kind of like quite like shameful, I guess, like, yeah, you're naughty bits. But I don't know, maybe that's to kind of emphasize like those are your naughty bits like not for other people to you know when you're little stop maybe you, get you in the habit of wearing clothes and not you know scratching yeah. yourself or whatever that kids like doing um, but yeah so that's what it was definitely when i was a child naughty bits not that nice i don't know what about you as a child my mum and dad always said front bottom i don't like, like that it's so weird that is it's horrible so because it's just like you just imagine literally a bum on your front <laughs> or like i don't know like a fanny full of poo. That's what I'm seeing, and that's not, not what nice. I think. But what do you think? It's weird. It's our engineer Chris has just collapsed into laughter. <laughs> I think it's just a strange thing because um, clearly, when you're very little, your parents don't want you to learn words that you might kind of start shouting around and embarrassing them. So maybe they just didn't want me to be in a shop going. Like, mum, my vagina, whatever. So, <laughs> I'm always shouting that in the shop. I don't know, but you know what kids are like. Um, and maybe they didn't want other parents think like get having me teach their kids stuff. Yeah. So front bottoms like meant to be the kind of like inoffensive thing. But it's just silly because it's something that you learn and then unlearn, and you know it has no real use outside. You know, um, a very small period of your life when you're small. I think children should be kind of should you know learn proper words for things so what do you like now because my favorite has always been fanny <laughs> vag and also fud but i think these are ones that are also quite like used as insults like oh you're such a fud like definitely was a school is, insult is fud a scottish thing because i haven't possibly. heard that definitely shouldn't be referred to the thing is yeah these are kind of like insulting-ish ones i wouldn't want someone like in a sexual content context to say like i really like your fud I mean, that would not be attractive to me at all. I don't know. what. Which ones do you like these days? Well, um, I I think that I can think of more that I hate than more, you know, um, rather than things that I like. Um, 
I do generally say um, vagina. I do use the word vulva as well, um, despite apparently not knowing what it means. Um, but I, um, I, I don't know. I don't think we're allowed to say it on air. But um, see you next Tuesday. That's one of your faves. Or you yeah, don't... it's a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been um, being reclaimed. I think that word. I think it is being reclaimed, and um, yeah, the C word has a kind of like long history. I think it's a Anglo-Saxon word, but and lots of different people have written about its potential kind of root um, and origins. And there's a few different theories. So, like one of them is that it's a kind of I think an old English word that maybe means to plow, which perhaps isn't very nice um, an analogy but then there's other people who've written about it and um, saying that it links to things like um, you know kin um, kindred uh, kind um, queen knowledge, as well queen exactly so there's there's a whole kind of um, you know it's got roots in lots of um, different words which all have kind of positive meanings around knowledge uh, family um, and kind of I suppose giving life um, which certainly appeals to me as a term but also it's not very girly and that's why I like it I think a lot of like words for the vagina like tend flower. to be flower Disgusting. awful um, I always think of Monica from Friends um, with that one she always talks about her flower um, I don't think I've seen those episodes <laughs> of the late night episodes um, of Friends and um, yeah things like you know like free free whatever um, they're, they're generally like a bit silly or a bit girly whereas ha- yeah. um, the C word is you know, it's got that kind of like Germanic um, sound to it, and it doesn't it doesn't seem overly feminine. So I kind of like that. One thing I I do um, I am quite partial to um, is just to use generally not in a sexual context. I don't know why, but it just always makes me laugh when I hear clunge. I think it's because of the in betweeners. <laughs> I just find it really classic, funny. Like, like I try not. Yeah, it's just it just makes me laugh. Um, and then the other one, which I've I'm really on the fence with. I've never really figured out whether I like it or not. Is um, pussy, uh, because it always makes me think of if ever someone says it, I just immediately hear the theme tune to "Are You Being Served?" Come Mrs. Slocum. Yeah, I see. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that word. Yeah, I think probably none of them I like in a sexual context. I can't really imagine anyone saying like any of those words and me liking it. But that's more <laughs> of my prudishness than anything else. I do you think the C word especially is really d- different in the UK as to how it's used in America, where it's used much more as a, a misogynistic insult? Like you're more likely to use it against a woman as a nasty term in the states than you are in um england where or any part of the uk in fa- actual fact well i think in, in glasgow especially it's kind of used as a like as interchangeably with like pal or mate like a term of endearment yeah definitely yeah. um yeah. so there was this great article that monica heisey wrote for vice um where she interviewed some women about their vulvas um and she gave a list of the names that they've offered so i'm just going to read them out and see how you feel vag front bum vajayj orchid bits friend bearded axwim matilda nuni minge noon vaginald Demona. <laughs> like Quite Demona. like um, Vagina. Fleshy Twinkies. Olvage. Pum Pum. Vagine. My Girl. Kitty. Pussy. Ham. Clam. Fanny. Kitty. Waff. Her. Minge. Jean. Lady Bits. Fertile Crescent. Junk Cake. Innie and Botty. I, I like Fertile Crescent. That's I, a good one. I could go with Kitty as like the kind of diminutive of myself mm. um, and have a kind of self-centred vagina um but yeah i mean none of them are appealing to me i like fertile <laughs> crescent i like i would imagine that in a kind of climactic moment in the bedroom <laughs> fertile crescent that's lovely um okay so now i really got to talk about how 
our genitalia looks. Okay? Do you remember, like, the moment we became aware that we had kind of genitalia that was different to boys? And I especially ask this because mm. I know that we both have older brothers mm. and also probably that we um, maybe grew up bathing with our... I mean, I certainly did grow up bathing with my brother and my dad when we were little. Yeah, yeah. We've. I think we've both got quite lax households in terms <laughs> nudity, of, like, nudity, um, privacy, personal space. Um, um, yeah, so I know that I, when I was younger, my parents always tell me that I once said, like why like and obviously as a child so this is how I spoke I was like why Emma not have a willy and like I said like you know <laughs> daddy and my brother not naming the name obviously on air I am um, both do but like why don't I have one and I guess that was the moment that I realized that I didn't have a willy um and were you envious <laughs> I mean probably I guess it was a bit of something extra that was taking up space in the bath I don't really know we we did so much like um you know sharing of baths when I was a kid like you know practically every photo album we have there's pictures of like me and three or four other kids just piled in a bath with hardly any water um because like you know it there were like so many of us um so like I must have noticed I don't I don't think I ever really I didn't ha- like um, it didn't bother me in that way I don't I don't remember ever saying why do I not have this or why do I have you know something else um I think probably it's really like puberty time when I really started being aware of how I looked um and kind of changes in my body which um, I imagine is probably the same for a lot of other people um and I did always have a kind of um fascination with other people's bodies like um so for example in our house at home um partly because my mum um has been a psychology teacher for ages she's got loads of books about like the psychology of sex and stuff and we had a lot of books about from kind of the 70s 80s about women's experience of sex sexuality and a lot of them had photos so from when I was very young age they would be out and around I don't know if they were strategically placed (laughs) But there was one book in particular by someone, I think she's called like Sheila Kitzinger. And it's a book called A Woman's Experience of Sex from, I think, 1983-ish. And it had loads of actual photos of different types of um, vulva. It also had a really great line in it, which was, it talked about different types of women's um, genitalia. And it said, some women have inner labia that overflow like a Madeira sponge cake. <laughs> wow that's graphic so, yeah, like yeah graphic but as an image so I kind of always read things like that and seen things like that so the idea of a difference this sort of difference in, in anatomy it never really occurred to me that that was you know an issue so I never kind of thought oh should I look a certain way or be a certain type of person I think as well when we first discussed this maybe Catherine you don't want me to say this but I'm probably gonna say it anyway. <laughs> we were both quite shocked I think about each other's quite different perspectives on this but um Catherine says, you know, we both have inherited things from our mothers. Yeah. <laughs> we both inherited the big boobs from our mums, for example. Yeah. And I've got quite big hips from my mum. And then you said... Oh, well, I think that my mum and I have different vulvae. Like, and then Catherine was, like, quite different. shocked that I didn't know what my mum's vulvae looked like. <laughs> because looks like. we always, sh- like, shared a bath. Like, not all the time, but, like, we did that when I was little. Um, so I definitely know like what she I mean she doesn't know what I look like now because you know I stamped that out once we got to a certain age um, <laughs> she was pleading <laughs> no mum enough to um, but you know I I, de- I definitely saw her and also quite a few of her friends as well like when we go on holiday everyone would just be we sound like a bunch of nudes but not like actual nudists but you don't know, be ashamed be, no I'm not but it, we, we de- they definitely aren't nudists but on holiday especially like you know my best friend's mum 
I would sit and chat to her while she was in the bath and that kind of stuff. I always knew that there were kind of different types of appearance, um, but I definitely... Um, it wasn't something that ever I ever kind of worried about that much until much older. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big question is, I think people are kind of wondering, like, how do you know what's normal? Kind of researching this this topic today, I thought I'll go on NHS and um, there's a whole article kind of saying, like, is my vulva normal? And they discuss it in great detail, but there's actually no pictures except for one picture of a woman from the belly button downwards, mm. naked, and she's got her both her hands covering, like, her whole pubic area I don't like know it's shameful. Can't see yeah it's kind of crazy and I thought you know that's not really normalizing anything but I guess yeah like where do people get their ideas about what is normal there I guess obviously something people talk about all the time is porn mm. and that being a big influence on people I have a little quote from a, a friend of mine that I'm going to read out here this is a lesbian friend of mine or at least this is someone who sleeps with women if we saw more vulvas we wouldn't be so worried about our own I definitely thought my labia were wrong for a while I think it's mainly seeing more vulvas as part of my sex life that has helped me out and also queer porn is great for showing different vulvas and vaginas. So I guess, yeah, like it is kind of seeing as many as possible, possibly. Yeah. It's what's useful and seeing what's normal. I mean, obviously there's like the Great Wall of Vagina we've talked about. Or there yeah, should be have. Great Wall of Vulva is what we're yeah. realizing, <laughs> I think. Um, and also there's like, we looked at, Catherine and I actually spent like a good like 20 minutes looking at a selection of vulva together. Yeah. And I think the important thing to recognize about all of the, say there are some really great websites um, and kind of online galleries that look at um, representations of female bodies generally, but especially um, vulva. But those are things that people are doing themselves, like they're, you know, journalists or feminists or activist groups or, you know, artists or whatever. It's not stuff where, you know, if you're at school, there's some kind of like curriculum resource necessarily that details all of this stuff. And certainly wasn't for me. But like you're saying, even if you go on any kind of government NHS type site, that level of just explicit photography that you really need isn't isn't there. So it is quite difficult for people to see different variation. And obviously that is part of the reason why there's a rise in things like labiaplasties, yeah. um, which is happening at the moment. And actually, I mean, I got some stats, but it's only about NHS-performed ones. Um, that there's five, There were five times more women getting labiaplasties in 2013 than there were in 2008, and that number was 2,000 people that were getting them free on the NHS. So mm. I guess that's like more and more people kind of being worried about them. But maybe it's also kind of increasing acceptance of the nhs that they want to fund that kind of yeah. issue also an awareness that you that that is something that you would that you could you know take action on if you did think that you had a problem um and it's you know it's not our place obviously to say that to judge um and say that everyone who does that is doing it for purely cosmetic reasons but a significant proportion of people are and there's definitely worries from um the medical profession that a lot of women just don't understand that actually not only do they fit within what you would medically classify as being a you know a kind of variation but within a normal range it's that people just have no idea what that normal range is um because there's so you know um so little kind of representations of normal uh, female genitalia anywhere yeah and there was a really interesting guardian article that we maybe shared on our Facebook um, that was kind of saying that like even in ancient Greek art and sculpture, you never see like you see quite a variation in like male genitalia, but you never see like the front of a woman. It's just like 
it's nothing like a Barbie v. doll, you know, yeah. like there's nothing there. Exactly. So there's no, I don't know. So I guess like through the ages, people haven't really been exposed to like a huge range. I think maybe more people are seeing, if you're seeing like mainstream porn and not queer porn that my friend was referring to, then yeah, you are seeing a very small range of what is kind of normal. And I think, I feel like I've never had an issue with my own vulva because I just haven't really watched any porn and I'm not really seeing that much in my daily life. So it's not really occurred to me to ever have a problem yeah. with it and I've never had I mean I know that there I think this is just luck on I'm not saying I've got great vulva I'm saying like <laughs> luck on my part of having nice sexual partners I've never had anyone like make any kind of and maybe nice friends the only time that I ever um really became aware that um other people would actively talk and judge and have an ideal beauty standard around um you know what a, a vagina what someone's vulva was like was actually um in my late teens i remember a girl that i didn't like anyway um was chatting to a group of boys and making loads of comments about you know um how she thought she had really nice um vagina and how her like um inner labia was really small and neat and how it wasn't like really gross and everyone just seemed to find it hilarious and I remember sitting there just thinking I genuinely can't believe that a group of people who are basically adult age are having this conversation around other people because it's just so nasty and rude like I just I just found that unbelievable but actually a lot of people are like that so although I don't get exposed to that generally because I have nice friends nice people that um you know I have sex with I think for a lot of people it is just a huge worry and concern and obviously the more normalized it is to kind of have surgery then that's only gonna get worse as well so have we ever thought about altering ours I'm gonna say no no why would you actively want to reduce the surface area of one of your most erogenous zones like you would to have any kind of surgery it's really like you know potentially dangerous things can go wrong there's no kind of um long-term studies into the effectiveness of um labioplasties and things so like um you you know there's not been a massive kind of um scientific investigation into you know following up with people how it's impacted on their sex life whether their self-esteem issues have been resolved and that kind of thing um but i just think you can't take that kind of decision lightly so i would never do anything to you know alter myself i don't feel like i need to i wouldn't want to um but i just i just can't get my head around actively kind of having quite a you know potentially brutal operation on something that really you know plays a very important role but it's it's worth noting that i'm sure people are uh, genuinely physically and psychologically distressed yeah. about the appearance or yeah definitely you know discomfort that they experience and you know who are we to say yeah um so i think we should kind of touch on touch upon um <laughs> so lily talked about thrush which is obviously a common problem and so we've talked about mm. the appearance and like how we feel about that like i think something that people don't talk about enough is pain that you experience yeah absolutely um also have you ever had pain and like how did you feel like did you talk to your friends and do you talk to doctors and how responsive were they because i've definitely had which i think now maybe is vulvodynia if that's vulvodynia? how you, how you pronounce that, that. Um, it's basically like a unexplained pain in the vulva. So there's, it says like there's no no obvious cause necessarily, but like you sometimes just have like this this nerve pain. And actually, I, th- I read about it recently, and I read about it again today, and it said that like scarring could be the reason that you feel mm. that, that. And I have some uh, vulvic 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 yes, vulvic scarring weird. from an accident I had when I was younger, and I wonder if that is the source. But you it know, it's important be. to talk about these things. Um, I think that we have a a, a small quote that um. Our engineer is going to read out to us. So to anonymize the um, source, modern day voice disguising technology, Chris, the engineer, is going to read out this quote. 
So the email reads, So I have a large white patch which is between my vagina and my ass, and it scared the bejesus out of me, so I went to the doctor. The first doctor said they shouldn't take a biopsy because it would leave a scar. He sent me to another doctor in colposcopy, what a silly name, with a giant camera with a light. So before I went, I shaved because I thought it was polite so he could see properly. But the giant camera just focused in really strongly on all the hairs that I missed, which the nurse judged quite harshly. He said I shouldn't really shave because it's bad for the skin, which made me feel a bit silly. Then he just ripped out a bit anyway for a biopsy, which I wasn't really into, and then pasted silver all over it, saying, that's worth a lot of money, you know. I didn't really feel comfortable telling him not to chop up my vulva, and then it got infected when I went on a cruise to Egypt, and I didn't really want to chat to a doctor half in English and half in Arabic, so I left it, and it was fine. It ended up being vitaligo and wasn't particularly <laughs> exciting or dangerous, but I quite liked it because it's like having an albino leopard vulva. That's incredible, and thank you, Anonymous Taurus, for sending it in, and thank you, Chris, for reading it so beautifully. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that touches upon a lot of things, which is, like, it is really scary when you have something wrong in that kind of area because mm-hmm. you just don't know what's normal and what's not. And obviously it turns out to be something quite harmless, but it's quite scary having to deal with doctors who, like, it sounds like we're probably quite judgmental. I know that when I went Especially to doctor... Especially about the hair remover. It's yeah, very difficult to remove hair from that area. Yeah, so I think like in my situation, when I went to a doctor, they were quite judgmental and I felt like they were questioning my sexual practices and mm. also I got told off for not having had a smear test. I don't know, have you experienced any vaginal well, pain? you should have a smear test. I, <laughs> I have had two. Yeah, I've had a lot. During sex, not during sex, I had undiagnosed ovarian cyst for a year and a half. I had pain all the time, especially having sex. And the attitude generally was kind of like, you know, you must be worried about something you just need to relax and calm down. And I did find that male do- doctors were quite patronising. And then I eventually had a few doctors who really took it seriously. But, you know, I get cystitis a lot as well. And all of these things, I think there's just this general attitude that actually, you know, they're not that big a deal and you just have to learn to live with it. But they're really debilitating. Even if you don't have a really bad case, um, you can still have a almost like a low-level pain constantly. And living with pain is really hard really really hard so I definitely have felt that it's impacted on my life and there's just not that much research into these kind of like um, problems that are often gynecological sexual in nature and they're not always taken that seriously either and I think also I mean I've had friends with like vaginismus which is you know like when you're kind of you tighten up because you're nervous it is mainly a psychological issue I think so it makes sex very painful and I think one of the main remedies suggested to my friend was vaginal trainers which is basically like sticking varying size like I don't know, things up your vagina to train it to accept a penis. Maybe not that helpful. Um, that's probably all we have time for. There's just so much to talk about when it comes to vulvas. We're going to do vulva part two. We're going to have to. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Please check out our podcast either by iTunes or on acast.com forward slash women and check out our Twitter at VLW Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for Thanks. listening. Bye, guys. Bye. For full versions of our shows, check out verylosewomen.wordpress.com. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.